0: You might want to open your Bible to the Scripture. There's a lot of Scripture to read, and I want to go ahead and read that first. And what I'm going to ask you to do with your outline, because we didn't want to put Revelation 2:18 through 3:6 on an outline, I have some things highlighted in bold print that's going to be important to what we're talking about tonight. So if you'd like to follow along, Uh, In the notes that's provided for you there, just jot some of these phrases down that are in bold print because they're going to be the things that are going to be important to us in just a little bit. The message is called the dead, excuse me, and the dying. Jesus is pretty straightforward. Most of us think in terms of, well, I'm doing okay. I'm not really doing bad with God. I'm not really, you know, I'm not doing out doing bad things, but, you know, I know I'm not like real spiritual like Pastor Blake is and and all of that and like Bernie is. I mean, those guys are just, you know, they're a little bit too far that way. I'm I'm okay. I'm a little bit here, uh, but a lot more here. I'm probably a little, you know, 75%. I want you to know that Jesus requires 100% allegiance. 100% of the time. Now I realize there are times when we're doing better and and God is not in the business of condemning his kids. But he will chastise us. He will tell us what's wrong and he'll give us space to repent. But I want you to know that God Almighty is not going to alter his values for any of us. Truth is just truth. And if we're not where we ought to be with God, then tonight is a chance for us to take the exam, the spiritual exam, and then let the great physician tell us what to do about our life. So if you have your outlines and you're ready, we'll put the scriptures on the board. We'll read first to the church at Thyatira. Jesus said to John, These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. That's the first thing that's highlighted in your notes. Uh, should be anyway. I know your deeds and your love and your faith and your service and perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That's a big one. He says you tolerate, say tolerate. That woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality. That's a phrase. Jesus says he has some things against the church. He uses the word tolerate. And we would think in our world that tolerance is the highest virtue. But I want you to know when it comes to truth and when it comes to Jesus, it is not a virtue at all. And it said, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. And by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality. You remember how many times we've talked about the trademark, that the trademark of a society, of a people, of a church, that when they go bad, sexual immorality is right at the front of it. And we live in a world right now where sexual immorality is the norm for the day. In fact, even the government of the United States of America is more concerned about pushing sexual immorality than they are about taking care of the country, to be honest with you. And that's where we're at. And we are reaping it. And ladies and gentlemen of the church, I dare say it will get worse as the year goes on. Thank God that Jesus is our master and he is our shepherd and he is our king and his kingdom will never uh, go away. But you know what? I don't want to give up on what God can do in our country. But it won't happen unless the people of God in the churches of God repent before God. And so he goes on to say, An eating of food sacrificed to idols. He says, I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. In other words, he's been long-suffering. He's been patient. He's given this person a chance. He's given this church a chance, but she is unwilling. Say unwilling. Say unwilling. Most people, when they're doing wrong, they know they're doing wrong, but they're unwilling to make it right. And ladies and gentlemen, shall I say to you today, that is a dangerous place to find yourself in. Knowing the truth and resisting the truth puts you in a bad place that is not going to have good outcomes. So he says, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. If Jesus says intensely, what do you think? Unless they repent to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, if that's you say amen, I will give authority over the nations. Don't we need that today? Wouldn't the U.S. of A. be better if the people of the church who love God and served God was given the authority to decide the, the direction of our nation? Do you think we'd be in a better place? We don't need a new morality. We don't need wokeness. We don't need all of the new things that are coming down the pipe. We need old-fashioned conviction and conversion and revival to come from the churches. That's what we need tonight, amen? And I will give them authority over the nations, that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father, Jesus said he would received authority from his father and he's willing to give that to us. Some of you may not know what happened last week, but last week I entered city government for the first time. Didn't realize that was going to happen, but it did. And when I was asked by our current mayor a couple of weeks ago, would I consider being a part of that? I thought and thought and thought and tried to find ways to figure out how I shouldn't do that, but I couldn't find any ways. And you know what I discovered? If you take the church out of the government, then the government is nothing but dark. Don't expect to find morality apart from the church. Church is where you find it, guys. And so we need that in America today. We need the church to get it revived and get involved and be a part of what we're going to do in this near future. Jesus said, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then to Sardis in Revelation 3. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. And you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wow. How would you like to get that letter in the mail? Dear, plug in your name. This is Jesus. I know everything. You think you're alive, but you're dead. Not a very good diagnosis. He says, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. We sang that song a moment ago, Oh, Happy Day That Washed My Sins Away. I just wonder how many of you were out there with a heart full of joy thinking about what you have received and heard. You see, if you can't remember and you choose not to remember what you've received and heard, no wonder your spiritual life is as dead as this church is. It's time that Christians stop playing around with this. We have been forgiven, ladies and gentlemen. We've been given the Holy Spirit of God. The same power that dwells in Jesus and rose Jesus from the grave exists in us. Our sins, our debt, our penalty is gone tonight. Oh, happy day, and wash my sins away. Remember, he says, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious, whoever that is, say amen, will like them be dressed in white, and I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, But we'll acknowledge that name before my Father and the angels. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The dead and the dying. Thyatira was dying. Sardis was dead. And when Jesus says dead, he's pretty on spot. He's pretty on track with what he's talking about. He's like the great physician. He is basically coming to us tonight using these scriptures and the Holy Spirit of God to test what, where we are tonight. I want you to know that tonight our business is right here in this room. It's not the group that's going to meet in the morning. It's the people sitting here right now. Jesus, when he wrote these, he wrote these to churches. Now, it's really easy for us to sit back and criticize churches. It's easy. You can find fault with any church. You can find fault with any leader. And it's easy to sit back and find fault with what someone else is doing. But tonight I want you to know that he is writing to churches which by definition are assemblies. Say assembly. The word church is ecclesia, and it means in the Greek, a called out of your home assembly. That's why we have church here in our state and in our city right now, because you simply cannot have church without having a gathering of people. I don't care what someone else calls it, it's not the New Testament definition of a called out assembly. So we meet. That's why we do what we do. It's an assemblies. And these assemblies are under the authority of God. These assemblies aren't under the authority of anybody but Jesus Christ. I am not the head of Eastern Life Church. I am one of the leaders that God has placed here. But our head, our spiritual head of the body is no, uh, uh, no uh, one other than Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. And these churches are under his authority. And when Jesus comes to you and talks to you, he doesn't uh, kind of have to be tactful. Do you notice that? I mean, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to people and <clears throat> trying to talk to them about what's wrong in their life, I have to use tact sometimes and try to get people to see it for themselves. Because you know, in many cases, I can walk up to somebody and say, "You know what? I think you're just uh, miserable in the sight of God, and you're wrong, and you need to repent." Well, I might find myself a little resistance on that, you know. But somebody could say, "Well, who do you think you are, pastor?" And in our day, if you don't like what the preacher says in one place, all you gotta do is go shop around. You can find one that'll tell you what you want to hear. Amen. And, and, you know, here in the church, we're going to preach the word of God. And when Jesus says something, we're just going to tell you what he said. And he's not that awful tactful. You know what I mean? He kind of just comes right out and bam, he gives you a big load of truth. And that's what he did here tonight. Our churches are under his authority. And ladies and gentlemen, we are accountable to him. We are accountable to Jesus Christ. Let me give you some divisions about what I see. I've taken all of these things that he's told us tonight and trying to extrapolate something so that you and I could take a spiritual test tonight. Point number one, the leader of the churches, that's Jesus, the head of the church. But you know what? He also functions as the great physician. He functions as the great physician. When I'm talking about dead and dying, I want you to know when you're dead and dying and you're sick, you need somebody that can help you. Amen? Anybody ever seen one of these? How many of you seen so many of these you're sick of it by now? You know, you know what's really weird? Used to, we would use things like this on people who were sick. But now today, we decided we want to do this to people who are not sick. Isn't that crazy? And you know what I've, what I've seen? Now, maybe you've seen something different, but I've never seen anybody use this and say, no, you can't go in. I've not seen it, maybe it's happened, I don't know. But this is for somebody who needs a checkup. It's not really for the well, it's for people who need a checkup. And with Jesus, the the thing about us in our spiritual life, we need regular checkups. We need to come in before God and say, God, you need to take our temperature. Because if the temperature, the spiritual temperature of the Christians in this room went from zero to 100, with 100 being 100%, where would you measure tonight? Where would you measure? You might say, well, I don't know. Well, I can tell you tonight, if you'll listen to what I've got to say, you might find out where you are. Are you willing to be honest? Are you willing to have Jesus stick this on your forehead? In fact, probably he'll put it on your heart. Amen. So what do you think? He's a great physician, he knows everything. He doesn't, he never did have to intern as a doc, he's always been. He sees everything, there's no reason for an x-ray with Jesus, he already sees your heart. He judges everything, he tells a truthful diagnosis and he changes everything, he does no harm, he actually does heal. Because in our text it says he has the eyes like blazing fire, he sees it all. Feet like the bronze, which means he judges it all. He holds the seven spirits of God. He holds the seven stars. And ladies and gentlemen, he moves things around as we need. So in these two places, in these two churches, point number two, he gives us the state of these two churches. One was dead. The other was dying, and neither is a great destination. I don't know about you, but I've been in the ministry a long time, and in the ministry you hear sometimes uh, people talk about churches, whether or not there's revival going on that church, that church is alive, or you say that church is just dead. Where would you say we are tonight? If judging by the worship that you gave God tonight, are we alive or are we dead? And if you think, well, we're alive because we've got a name to be alive, remember, that's exactly what was going on in Sardis. They had a reputation that they were alive, but there was no life there. Well, how are you going to know? What makes a church alive anyway? You ever thought about that? Same thing that makes a body alive. It's in your notes. A body is alive when there is brain activity and the presence of the spirit. Your body is alive when there's brain activity. You got brain activity tonight, you're still alive. When Jesus created us, he breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul. The spirit came to life. In a church, a church is alive if there's brain activity. Well, who's our brain? Jesus is our head. So if the head is working and there's activity in the head and there's the presence of the spirit, The head gives the orders, the spirit comes into the members, which is the hands and the feet and everything else, and then we go out and do the work. So tell me, are we alive or are we dead? Is there any activity or not? Is there any activity or not tonight? Well, what does the church do when it's alive? I offered you three things. First thing it does is it worships. Because one thing about the head, the head will direct the spirit to lead us in a lifestyle of worship. Ladies and gentlemen, if someone has to motivate you to worship God, then there's little brain activity going on in your life. You've got sin that's blocking the flow from the brain to your body. Ladies and gentlemen, we talk about my body, my choice. I want you to know tonight your body is the temple of God's Holy Spirit, and it is your uh, responsibility to do what the head tells you to do. And if the head tells you to worship, you worship. If the head tells you to sing, you sing. If the head tells you to lift your hands, you do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time that we stop being so self-looking uh, 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 at ourselves and uh, self-aware and be much more Jesus-aware. And whatever he says to us, we do it. Some people say, well, if, he, if I do what he tells me to do, it's going to make me uncomfortable. Of course it is. I know a whole lot about being uncomfortable and having things to do I never thought I'd do. But ladies and gentlemen, he is Lord and not me. And if you want to experience life in Jesus and experience the revival that comes with following Jesus, you got to get yourself out of the way. Follow along with what he's got to say. We'll worship and then we'll work. <clears throat> Let me ask you, how much work have you done this week on account of Jesus this week? What has been the brain and spirit activity going on in your life? Not only that, we reproduce. We've seen some reproduction here in the last several months. Baptizing the 12th tomorrow. Thank God for that. But you know, if we're going to change metropolis, we're going to have to baptize more than 50 people a year. Can I talk to you a little bit? Some churches, I realize some churches never baptize anybody. I know it, I see it, and the need is huge out there, but there's a lot of folks that need the Lord. And you know the thing about it, when there's a love relationship going on with husband and wife, typically reproduction just happens. And when there's a love relationship between the church and Jesus Christ, reproduction happens. People come to the Lord. We're following him, we're worshiping him, we're working for him, and then people come to the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, it will never be good enough for me to look and see empty chairs out here on Saturday night. Never. We are called to work for him, and this is his will. So why were these churches in trouble? It's one thing to say, yeah, these churches are in trouble. let's get to the why. Now, what I tried to do is I tried to give you the diagnosis throughout these two different churches. There's a lot of material, so let me go through it real quick. We're going to give it to you real quick. I think it's, it might be in your outline. If not, it's on your screen. This is what Jesus told us in these two churches. First, they were known by duty. All these are going to start with the same letters, just one word, duty. These people were busy, but they lacked devotion. Jesus said, I know you've been busy, and you're b- more busy now than you were. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. They were busy. They were deep. Jesus said to Thyatira, he said, there are some of you that have not learned the deep things, the so-called deep things of Satan. Deep. The deep things of Satan. You know what was going on at this time? The Gnostics were around. The Gnostics were teaching new things. They were coming along and saying, I know the apostles said this, but i got a different idea. Ladies and gentlemen, that's happening right now. There are churches right now doing so many stupid things that have nothing to do with the scriptures, and they're calling it deep. You know what they say? They say they're thoughtful, they're deep. It's deep, all right. Kind of like put your boots on deep. You know what I mean? I just read this. I just read this. A, I think it's, a, uh, it's an evangelical church out in California, I think. It's in San Francisco. Imagine that. And by the way, before you criticize San Francisco, Metropolis will be there in 10 years if we don't do something. Okay? Uh, Presbyterian, not Presbyterian. It starts with uh, Can't I can't seem to recall it. The... Um, it's a mainline denomination. Episcopal, thank you, sir. I know uh, Kip Hurst in Alaska trying to say, it's Episcopal, brother. They just ordained their first trans bishop and they're proud of it. Like, this is deep. Yeah, it's deep. It's the so-called deep things of Satan. And that's what was going on here and it's going on right now. It was deceptive. In Thyatira, they said, you're letting Jezebel, this Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was the wife of a king, and Jezebel did some bad stuff, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But basically what he's saying is there's the misleading and the mishandling of the truth. These churches were dark. They were full of idolatry. You see, when idolatry comes in and takes its place as a leader in someone's house, it goes dark because only Jesus is light." And if anything is more important to Jesus than Jesus to you, then you've got idolatry in your life. Delay. They ignored the warnings to repent. I want to tell you sometimes when I preach, and I preach and I think, you know what, folks, I wish you'd just grab hold of this and just get it. But sometimes you preach and it's almost like you're hitting your your head against a brick wall because sometimes you're, you're throwing it out there and people are just like, We've we've become so, um, you know, like a marketplace where we'll listen if we want to, and if we don't want to, we'll just throw it out. That's these churches here. They didn't repent. It's like John the Baptist saying, repent, repent. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. It's like Noah preaching for 120 years. Repent. There's a judgment coming. They're like, oh, we're good. I can say this tonight. Metropolis will be San Francisco in 10 years, and people say, ah, we're good. Do you guys realize that your kids and grandkids are going to have to live in this mess? Somebody says, well, I don't think we should get involved in that stuff. Where did you get a stupid idea like that? Oh, let's just have communism come in. It's a good idea. Why don't you start thinking for a change? Because it's destroying our country. And our children are going to have to live in this mess. And I don't want to stand for it. And the thing about it is if the church just wakes up and just proclaims the truth, guess what? Things begin to change. Oh, I'll do that later. Delay, okay. They were also dirty. Sardis, they said they had soiled their garments. You might think that you're looking good tonight and you might look good to the rest of the world, but I want to tell you what it looks like to God. It looks like a soiled thing. You're walking around with a dirty garment on. They were diluted. They had a reputation that they were alive. Reputation. Lived by reputation, not by reality. Basically, they were dead. Called in hospice. It's over. So point number four, my question is, are there churches similar in similar trouble today? Do you think? Let me give you some things to spot that out of this that I looked at that tell us that churches can be in this, era, this kind of trouble today. I've got a few. Let me give you the first one. A symptom of a dead and dying church is, first of all, they value reputation over reality. They value how people see them more than how God sees them. Reputation. Uh, There's a lot of guys in America that's got huge congregations. And if you'd say, does anybody know Pastor Brian or Pastor Blake, you know, in this small town of Metropolis in a small area? Uh, or would they know, and I could name names, and I typically don't do that very often, and these guys with churches of 10,000, 20,000 people, and we'd say, oh, that's where the real work is going on. No, that's, a lot of that's reputation. I'll tell you, I do not believe that it's wrong to be in a big church, but it's wrong to be in a church that lives on reputation rather than reality. And many times when you live by reputation, you fear the people and you fear losing your reputation. So you just kind of don't speak out against some things because you might offend somebody. That was not Jesus, was it? That was not John the Baptist. That was not Noah. That was not anybody that follows God. Second thing is they elevate reach over teach. What do I, what do I mean by that? You see, here at Life Church, we are about. Reaching, teaching, coaching, and leading. Now, <clears throat> doubtless, we could have more people here in the church if we would just tone down some of the, of the teaching that's hard because some people won't hear it. Therefore, the, the churches with reputation, they elevate the reach over the teach. They say, just come in, just fill up the seats, fill up the coffers, And we'll do that, and we'll teach a little bit. According to Jesus, all they're doing is making people twofold more children of hell than they are of heaven. They live for entertainment rather than engagement. There are people that spend way more money on their entertainment than they would ever give to the Lord's work. Can I tell you something? Not only is your body not yours, but your wallet isn't either. It belongs to God, and if you don't believe that, just hang around a while because one day you will give it back to him because you'll not have your hands on it anymore, and we spend money on so many frivolous things. Have you ever thought about asking God if you should spend your money the way that you do, but we've got to have entertainment. I've heard people say, well, what are you going to do without entertainment? I guess we'll just worship God. You mean to tell me it's not enough to have God as your Father and Jesus as your Savior and the Holy Spirit as your constant comforter? They also lived in denial. Denial. We're good. There's nothing wrong with us. Look, if you're not scoring 100 and you don't recognize it, and you give yourself a pass, you're living in denial. Churches that are dying desire deep passivity. You know what they want to do? They want to know more, but they don't want to do more. Knowing without doing is a misuse of the knowledge. I want to tell you something. You might know all kinds of things about the Greek in this book, You may know all types of stories about this book, but ladies and gentlemen, if you don't obey it, you will never be wise. There's a difference in knowledge and wisdom and you can't get wisdom without applying it. I think the last word I'll say tonight is the word entitlement. It's where churches live for me. This is for me. This is what I like. This is what I'm here to do. And if something doesn't go my way, There is a church somewhere that will take care of me. Ladies and gentlemen, those are symptoms of the dead and dying. I want to say to you today that Sister Jezebel lives today. What did Jezebel offer the people of Israel? She offered power. She was next to the king. She was next to him every day. She offered pleasure. Do you know that Jezebel brought sexual immorality into worship? We're doing the same thing. Some of these churches might not be doing it in the... Sanctuary, but they're promoting it everywhere. She brought in the idea of prosperity. You go with me, you're going to fit in. She brought in the idea of popularity. She's alive today. So what does this mean to us? What in the world does this mean to us? Well, I'll say this. It might not be important to us if it's not important to us. You see, everything I just said is important to me because it's important to me. Because churches are only individuals that gather together. So if my church is messed up, then I'm a part of the messed up church. See, if the city's messed up, the city is messed up because the churches are messed up, and the churches are messed up because the individuals are messed up. You get the individual right, and the church gets right, and the city can get right you never get it right with deep passivity. And the ministry of complaining never changes anything. Let me say it like this, three things. The church problem is a personal problem. It's a personal problem because it points to me personally. It picks up speed as it goes. The compromise starts small and picks up speed and changes out here it's a personal problem with me second thing a church problem is a leadership problem you know what's wrong with many churches it comes right down to it. its leaders leaders who are more interested in tolerance and compromise than they are about serving god can you imagine if noah was that kind of leader he'd have quit preaching after about 20 days Noah, listen to me guys noah said for 120 years it's going to rain and it's going to be destroyed and nobody believed him he preached for 120 years with nobody believing him if he was like the leaders of today he'd say ah, let's give up let's have a different plan why don't we just uh, you know let's, let's let's make it let's let's get some retreats on the mountaintops maybe we'll survive it but no he kept preaching the truth and people hated him It's a personal problem. It's a leadership problem. And then finally, it's a societal problem. It affects everything in our life. Because look at it like this. When the church is not right with God, when the church is not working, then the church is not working, the church is not proclaiming the truth. And if the world does not get the truth from the church, how are they going to get the truth? If we shut up, there's no place for them to go. It's no wonder that low information people follow the powerful in the most ridiculous lies because the truth is simply not being declared. Well, tonight it's time to take action. It's time to take action. How'd you do? What's your score? What shall we do tonight? If you find yourself less than 100, what should you do? Let me give you what the prescription is from the great physician. First, remember your conversion. Remember. Jesus said to Sardis, remember what you've heard and received. Remember what God's done for you. Let's go back to that place. I want to ask you, can you remember? Do you remember? Second, Remove the cancer. What's in there? Anything that's between you and God is an idol and it's a cancer and it's, it's bringing you farther away from the will of God. What is it? Is it entitlement? Is it passivity? Is it entertainment? What is that idol that's standing in the way that's going to produce spiritual death in your legacy and in your church? You see, I want to be like Paul at the end to be able to say, I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. What about you? How do you remove the cancer? It's a biblical word. It's repent. Repent means what? Repent simply means to change your mind. Change your mind. You see, it's an act of the will before anything. Sometimes we come in and we're not feeling great. We're like, yeah, I just don't feel like worshiping tonight. I just don't feel like church tonight. You see, you're too self-aware. You're too introspective about who God is. One of the grand purposes of, of our spiritual life is to worship God. What we will do forever is worship God. And it's not just emotional. It's an act of the will. And if I'm not feeling it, then I need to change my mind about it. And if God's called me to some activity and I'm not feeling it, I need to change my mind about it and do it. And if there's something in my life that's keeping me between me and God and I, and, and I don't want to let go of it, if I don't let go of it, I'm just going to continue moving far away from God and then what happens to my legacy? You see, I want you to know as a, as, as a personal thing tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it is necessary for you to be right with God because as you drift away from the personal worship and work of God, and something gets between you and the brain and the activity's not there, then the spirit is not working, you're not full of the spirit, then you're full of your flesh, and what do you think's going to come of you then? Well, pastor, I thought you said, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. I'm not talking about what you're going to do in heaven, I'm talking about what's going to happen to you right now. Do You want to to be one of those persons that have to look into the face of your grandkids and tell them, I used to, but I don't anymore. Do you want to say that to your people in your life, that yes, I used to serve God, but not anymore? Some folks can say, I've been sober for two years. You start drifting from God, you could lose that too, amen? Do you want to be that person that keeps going back and keeps going back and keeps going back, or you want to finally get over this stuff? Ladies and gentlemen, our life is not our own. It belongs to him, and he's called us to serve him. And when we make the decision to repent and say, God, this is what's wrong with me. All you got to do is confess your sins. He will faithfully cleanse you and forgive you. And he will give you his righteousness. And you can put that breastplate back on and you can live in the righteousness of God. Amen. Remember your conversion. Remove the cancer by repenting. When that happens, revive. Revive. Let me just get you to think about something and Tim's gonna come and get ready we're gonna sing something we'll pray together y'all ever been a part of a revival you know what I mean by revival the word revive kind of means to come back to life and it's meant for churches it's not for Christians like Christians are dead and they come back to life no that happens one time we call that conversion but in our spiritual life revival is something that happens to us when we get close to God We start living by the fruit of the Spirit. We become more loving. We become joyful. We live in His peace. You see, we're so self-aware. We're like, we can't have that because we got all this physical stuff in here. Do you understand? All this physical stuff, through God's Spirit, we overcome that. That can't get in the way of what the head can give us. But we let it. You know why? Because we're too self-aware. I can't serve God like this. I can't be right with God because too much is going on here. And then we're just like those churches. We're just like those situations. And basically, it's entitlement. Entitlement, the common word today would be narcissist, which means basically I live for me. If it feels good, I do it. If I'm not feeling good, I don't do it. Nobody's gonna make. Can you make? I've heard people say nobody's gonna make me worship. I've heard people say this before. Nobody's gonna make me raise my hands. Okay, get in the presence of God. See what you do. <laughs> Why would you even want to be like that? I mean, what kind of sense does that make? He's God. We're not. We're gonna tell him this is what I'm gonna do. Really? <laughs> do you ever remember being revived? Just like full of God's Spirit. I tell you, there's some folks in the church that are. But I'm honest with you, some of us aren't. Some of us are just kind of going through the motions. We have a reputation that we're alive. But we're not. Would you be willing to just repent tonight? I'm not asking you to do anything other than say, God, you know, that's right. All I'm asking you to do tonight is be honest about this. Just be honest. You don't have to make revival happen. It happens when God's people get right.